right, all, and welcome back to Dame It All the Hell. I'm Kelly Gibson, and we're back here, but we just want to take a quick moment and remember those lost last week. It was it was a sad week for Americans. There, between the shootings in Kentucky and Pittsburgh, we just want to. Tracy and I always work to be better ourselves, to be better friends, to be better mothers, to be better professionals, and we hope that we can all move forward to be kinder to one another. So just remembering those lost. Also, think about the pipe bombs that were sent to all of the Democratic leaders as well. It's just not acceptable in society today. We we should not. This is not where we should be. No. We should be so much better than this. So, and that's Tracy Dietz, and I'm Tracy Dietz. <laughs> and there's one week to election day, and I'm feeling so many things. I'm feeling tired and excited and stressed and anxious, and like a little bit of I still feel like the my wounds of whiplash of 2016 are sort of like r- raging their ugly heads. And I'm yeah, I have all the feels. And I've just come to the podcast from Fox News where I was talking about the midterms with a whole bunch so of Republicans. Pretty. I have Fox News makeup on, which is a real humorous thing. Fox and, <laughs> and the Republicans at Fox News, Fox News seem to be. Just on board with the Democrats taking back the House. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I think it's. I don't think it's going to be crushing at the point to which we thought originally that it was going to be. But I definitely think they take back the House. I do think that the uh, Republicans are going to keep the Senate. And there's maybe a lot a to be decided on the Senate. I mean, there is basically all High the camp's polls done. I think. Yeah. So she's outside of the margin of error, but all the polls have come back today are in the margin of error. So Florida's in the margin of error. Missouri's in the margin of error. Nevada's in the margin of error. Actually, Tester's outside. He's he's still ahead with confidence. But weirdly, New Jersey is starting to get into the margin of error. So like there is a lot. There is a lot still to be decided. Is is a thing. Yeah. I don't understand why Democrats haven't outed him yet. Well, he's not great. An object in motion stays in motion. <laughs> you know, <laughs> laws of science apply. Tracy took the lead on today's outline, and I'm extraordinarily grateful because it was has been a brutal week, and she picked really good stuff. And to it's talk all about sex. <laughs> Such good stuff to talk about. Doesn't everybody just want to talk about sex? We're not. Are we going to talk about sex first? Let's talk we about to... sex, baby. baby. Let's talk, talk about you and me. So, Tracy, why don't you set up this uh, Politico article, which is balls. So basically, there was an article that came out in Politico that was talking about the differences, not only just partisanship, the difference between Republicans and Democrats, but apparently we as Republicans and Democrats want vastly different things <laughs> in the sack. <laughs> and just a very high level view, which Kelly and I will talk more specifically about as we get into this. But Republicans tend to fantasize more about things that they couldn't have because they were so in, you know, their beliefs are traditional marriage. So they would fantasize about affairs or people that were sort of out of their realm. Whereas Democrats, this is so funny to me, were more likely to have BDSM fantasies. (laughs) Uh, And I guess part of that is because as progressive women, we believe that we should be in charge and in control and in many of those fantasies, the women, <laughs> according to this article, were not the ones in control. They were the submissive ones. The and author, I would have thought it would have been reversed. It is crazy. The author said that this was the largest survey ever done about sexual inclinations, desires, fantasies, and that the political partisanship was only a portion of what she asked. But, of course, this article was published in Politico, so it's it, it stresses those points. So 5,200 respondents who all engaged in a long-form survey about turn-ons and activities and fantasies. And what Tracy said is completely what she reported. So like what how the, how she sort of organized it was this is why. So these things are taboo. Nothing makes us want to try something like being told we can't do it. 
This is why taboos, no matter what they are, often become turn-ons. <laughs> and it is interesting. I mean, nobody, I have a lot of conversations with a lot of people, but being like, tell me what you fantasize about in the sack is certainly never appropriate for discussion. <laughs> Tracy's joking. <laughs> because we talk a lot in here about how you should not be talking professionally to people about anything sexual. So having like this little tiny insight by this woman who was like, I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm going out with information. It's really interesting. So I think women occasionally, I mean, we get together and we talk about stuff. I women mean, who not, know each other. Yeah. But we don't often talk about specific <laughs> details. You and I have had conversations, but you, you don't really, I guess, always talk in a group. I guess we could go back to our little crew, which is mixed partisanship, and be like, what do you think? Is this thing? Oh, we should get in some more Republican women and actually get say like hey <laughs> we should actually have a podcast just talking about maybe it could be anonymous <laughs> Like we, we cannot, anonymous? We, we don't get to be anonymous. <laughs> I, think, I think we're in. I think, I think, I think we're, we're in. in. Yeah. But we could have some other people be anonymous and actually talk about like, no, I would never do that. I would totally, no, that's not my thing or that. <laughs> I, it, I am curious. So when it was talking about the Democrats and sort of the BDSM stuff, I think it was really referring to women having the desire to be submissive. It didn't actually talk about women wanting to actually be the dominatrix, which I would assume is exactly what they would want to be on the Democratic side. It was more talking about the opposite. Yeah. So the words that she used was with within the Democratic Party, much of what drives the political agenda is the view that inequality is the source of a wide range of social problems. This is regularly seen in the party platform, which recently made multiple mentions of the need to level the playing field. It's not a stretch then to suggest that playing with power differentials, especially in BDSM settings, where women and men might not appear to be on equal footing and where the lines of sexual consent might not always be explicit, which is scathing, is taboo right, but in many. BDSM but like BDSM actually has safe words. Like there is actually nothing more. But that little like, that little sentence about where the lines of sexual consent might not always be explicit is really telling. This well, there was an addendum to this article that said it was written before president President Trump was elected president. So like this was pre Me Too, pre Judge Kavanaugh pre-Stormy Daniels. So, like, I I think maybe some of the details about inclinations so you, may change. Yeah, so do you automatically, when you when you hear the word BDSM, do you assume... Fifty Shades of Grey? I mean, I got nothing. Right, okay. So, so, but you don't have any preconceived notions that it is not consensual for the w- woman. Or you do have preconceived notions I don't, that it's not no, consensual. I don't have, you have preconceived, no preconceived notions. notions. Okay. No, but it is like if you're a woman in the Democratic Party who's endlessly sort of clawing her way to being heard and being in power, then maybe it makes sense that your sort of sexual persona is one that doesn't have to work so fucking hard. Right. But that's the you're thing. Like, like the submissive me. is actually the one that has all the power. Yeah. Which is what's interesting about... All of them. Yeah. And why it's all like up in the air, because it's it's not the it's not the person that perceives that is the perceived dominant. Right. Like the powerful one. Isn't yeah. the one that actually has the power. Yeah. It's the submissive that has the power. Well, I like that. The artist article went on to talk about just sort of like fantasizing about politicians in general, which oh. turns out doesn't really happen. So it said just about one in 10 You're Republicans and Ryan. one in 10 Democrats reported ever having fantasized about a politician before, which is pretty low. I mean, and Paul also Ryan's sort of kind of cute. Tracks. He has very big hands. Right. <laughs> 
You know what they say about big hands. Um, Donald Trump does not have them. <laughs> Gross. Well, we know a lot about that. He has little mushroom we, hands. Yeah, right. <laughs> but giant pubic hairs. Um, <laughs> they make shavers for that. Um, oh, my God. I need more wine. But the interesting thing also was that 17% of Republicans reported fantasizing about Democrats, while 27% of Democrats reported fantasizing about Republicans. So it's like... Your fantasies exist outside. It's it's like your reality is so fucking hard when you work in politics that your fantasies just have to exist outside of that. You should, yeah, but your your fantasies shouldn't be partisan. <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> Turns out it sort of is. Also, <laughs> interestingly, the single most commonly fantasized about politician among both parties was Sarah Palin. Yeah, but we're, sort of we're, makes sense. Were, were women <laughs> fantasizing about Sarah Palin? Well, they didn't explore same-sex fantasies, but my guess is there is some of that going on. I mean, good for them. Yeah, it'd be funny if Democratic women are fantasizing about. Sarah and because Palin. this happened, only this study was conducted during the last election cycle. The top three fantasies fantasized about people for in the Democratic Party were JFK, which makes a lot of sense. Wait, who? JFK. Yeah. Oh, JFK. 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 Okay. Yes. Bill Clinton. I thought she said Jeff K. No. And I'm like, who is Jeff K? John John Kennedy. (laughs) Yes. Um, Bill Clinton makes sense. I mean, once upon a time, I guess. And Hillary Clinton. I'm like, who are those people? Somebody fantasized about Hillary (laughs) Clinton. Which I love. I'm like, yes, she is a woman, too, with needs. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's fine. I mean, I I just, that, I, I, John F. Kennedy, I totally get Bill Clinton, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It, admittedly, I did not copy and paste the top three Republicans fantasized about. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, who were they? I don't know. They're I in c- the article, wherever the article was. I feel like I did. Oh, oh, my God. No, wait. Democrats fantasized by Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton. Oh, Republicans fantasies were JFK, Bill Clinton, and Nikki Haley. Oh, <laughs> What overlap? Of course. <laughs> Nikki Haley is a very lovely looking human. I love Nikki Haley. She's yeah. like the nicest person ever. I know you're sure you hate her deep down. No, That's really I mean, funny. Bill Clinton made both lists. I know. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to. I can't. I'm you not going to read into that. fantasize no. about rapists. No. Nope. Whatever. Nope. Well, that was fun. Okay, Tracy Deeds, <laughs> tell us what we're drinking or how are we doing this? We are drinking and are, it's white we wine. We are drinking which and is it's fucking terrible. Against Tracy's better judgment. God. All right. So I was supposed to bring wine from my house which is and this, I didn't. Also the second week in a row you were supposed to bring I wine. To, I got shit going on. Like I'm fucking busy. So uh, so I had stopped off at a, a, a local eatery near the house, <laughs> near, near the studio. It's her favorite place to uh, go. Joe's They mostly seafood. serve seafood. <laughs> Joe's seafood. Joe's don't grab. And I got two bottles of whites. And it's funny because I literally said to the general manager, I'm like, listen, I need the two cheapest bottles of white wine you have. <laughs> oh. Because I knew they were going to be expensive. What a jerk you are. You ask for, well, you you get what you ask for. $100 <laughs> later, just to be clear, $100 later, this is what we have. So uh, okay. so we're drinking. We tried this one. Wait, it's pretty sweet. It's, it's yeah, do you do you know the grape? Is it a sav? It is a sav. Yeah. It's a little sweet one. It must be like, is it like Argentina or something like that? I don't, I don't think it was Argentina. Or is it California? It's California. Yeah. Napa. It's Napa. Napa. Napa Honig. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I recognize that yeah. one. So okay. uh, it's, got a little, it's got a little bee on it. I'm going to have to chug this. This one's a hard one to chudge. Chudge. This one's a hard one to chudge. The next one, next one, sorry, stepped away. Oh, God. Is uh, 
was also like a so it's it's a Richard just put his sweatshirt on straight upside down. He put his one. <laughs> the hood is on the bottom. And the bottom is on the top. Here, I'm going to give this to Richard. This is good for Richard. Richard doesn't get to taste at the same time. Uh, oh, I'm moving it around. All right. This is, uh, this is French. <laughs> oh, I, I like French. French. <laughs> it is a white Bordeaux. Oh, good. Uh, it is a... I love that you're telling us before we tried it. I'm, I'm sorry. Fuck. And she forgets how Shit. it works. It's only our... One hundred. I love that you put ice <laughs> before. In your, just in your get it, get it done. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I like that one better. I think it's different. I hate white wine. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So before okay. we can, before we yeah. jump into something serious that's actually on here, can we have a quick conversation about something that happened to my child yesterday? Yeah, let's quick. do it. It's good. It's important. So okay. I bought Addison a shirt that is a Cubs fan shirt. And on one on one side, it says your mom. And it just has like the generic like woman outline. Like the like that's on the bathroom door? Yes. Yeah. Generic. Mm-hmm. Your mom. And then it says my mom. And it's got a woman in a Cubs shirt with like pom-poms like jumping mm-hmm. up and down. And so she wore that to school. And some of the kids said to her that that shirt was offensive. Did Could they articulate their their sort of she told me that they could not she said that um i was like what do you mean that why were they offended and she's like they just said it was offensive and that it was mean and i'm like well how how is it mean like it's just saying that your mom is a cubs a crazy fan mom. that's and, a cubs yeah. fan mm-hmm. how was it mean to them and she's like i don't know and so then she goes to the teacher and she asks the teacher about it and the teacher's like well some people might think that that's mean did the teacher articulate why no what the hell what the fuck right yeah see this is why i'm no, no, no. Don't go fucking lumping that into some goddamn political correct box that you want to blame that shit on sensitivity. Good. Why no. the fuck? But why the fuck would yes. the kids be like that? First of all, the first thing, I, kids are kids, right? So, like, they experienced it some way that they could not articulate. And if you cared enough, you could reach out to the parents and be like, I certainly don't want to offend your kids so we can talk about that. If you don't, fuck it. What they I will would do, be fuck it. I'm not calling. But what parents. I would do is go to the teacher and say, like, if you don't know the answer, don't just reinforce like unarticulated offense, like sit down with your teacher, sit down with the kid that's offended, sit down with the kid that's and just be like, let's talk about this. We're all friends. I don't I in this and I am a progressive feminist, overly sensitive lady. Right. Face, and you can't and think I of any reason why that would be offensive. Not off the top of my head. Like Other unless, than they, they, unless she was saying like not- my mom's great and your mom sucks. Like if, they, if a kid was like that, oh, shit, you're saying my mom sucks, which also you could which if that was like out loud, you could be like, fuck, no, your mom doesn't suck. It's just my mom's a lunatic Cubs fan. And this shirt is silly. Like, I think that there needs to be more supported conversation. Like, I think it's cool that that little kid was like, your shirt makes me feel bad. First step. Second step. Why does it like that little kid should be also if they're going to own opinions, they should own the back backing up right. their opinions. And that should be a conversation that kid has with their teacher, with their parent, with whatever it so is. So then should I like so Addison like didn't tell me who the kids were. Right. So I think you're should well, I, have I don't Addison know. I'm not bring your, it up. I'm not the parent to Addison. But if if I was, I would say. You wear that shirt for this reason. We we like this shirt for this reason, right? We really like the Cubs. We like pom-poms, whatever it is. And if a kid says that that shirt's offensive, I think you can say, I'm not I'm sorry, but like that's too bad that that is offensive to you. But to our family, this just means my mom loves the Cubs. That's all. You know, like yeah. give her the tools to to have an opinion about the clothes she wears. Yeah. But I 
that I think the person that really failed that moment was the teacher, unfortunately. Well, but I think, and so Greg and I talked a little bit about this, and I think the problem with the teacher is the teacher's point was, yeah, somebody could be offended because everybody could, could be, be offended, offended about something, anything. but you can't stop there. You got to be like, but you are allowed to own the clothing you wear. You're allowed to stand tall in something that you makes you feel good, and you your feelings are not at the whim of that person's emotions. Like, we get to occupy occupy space on our own. So I'm curious if she'll ever want to wear that shirt to school again. Yeah. I mean, I'd... Well, whatever. Again, I'm not the mother of Addison. But if I were you, I would encourage... You're not, but I'm asking I would your encourage you to, to say, if you like that shirt, wear that shirt. That shirt has no intended negative consequences. If you like that shirt, wear that shirt. And next time if somebody says it to you, say... Say, it's too bad it makes you feel that way. This shirt is only meant to be, like, my mom's a big Cubs fan. It's real simple. Like, I think if we give people, communi- like, the tools to talk to each other, then it all can be less fucking big deal. Right. You know? Right. That's how I feel. And I'm sorry that Addison, I know that this is not a great thing to happen to Addison. Yeah. Because she feels some shit. Yeah. And that is a bummer. She's and I, But yeah. she seemed okay. And, and I asked her, and I, I grilled her a little bit. I was like, were people really upset? And she's like... No, it's sort of in passing. Like it was just sort of passing. Yeah. Like it wasn't it wasn't like there was a whole day about how offensive her shirt was. Yeah. I think some kid made a passing comment and the other another kid was like, yeah. Yeah. So it, if, then, if I were if I were you, I would just say to Addison, like when you when we when we pick clothing for our whole life, we do it for a purpose and it and we should be prepared to articulate the purpose or not or don't or let it roll right off your back. But if you want to own that space, own that space. Yeah, I don't. Know I'm that sorry. I, yeah, that, that happened. You. I don't know that I pick clothing for a purpose as I much do. as I just pick it because I like it. I think you pick it for a purpose. I think you pick some modest clothing to be modest. We talked a lot about when the world was treating you poorly that you put on suits and ties. I wear clothing mm-hmm. that are t- that puts the emphasis on the right labels. I wait. Like, what did you just say? <laughs> puts the emphasis on the right labels, like things that complement my body. I think I I think I take a lot of personal joy from looking good to the world. I read this meme the other day that was like, men think I dress up for them, but I just dress up so I look good in my reflection in store windows, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny. But I do I want to just I look good when choices, I go to the mall. I think choices are. I think we all make choices. I think men make choices. I think everybody makes a choice when they leave their house. All right. All right. Anyway, so, a little side note. Last. Week maybe the week before we established the new segment which we have no good name for which is the Google sexism Google news button, <laughs> but it's been turning up really good results. First, I know first article, first article. Set us up, Trace. Okay, so the first article that showed up, the headline was "How to use sexism to your advantage at work," and I almost died. Trace, I was immediately, like, I was like, "Oh my god, this is great!" Because we had talked a little bit about this last week, and I've I've talked a lot about this. How oh, it's so fucking complicated. It, it is, but how we should use, we should be able to use our womanhood to our advantage in work and in professional settings, even if in the interim, that's we're getting what this punched says. in the gut at the same time. This, so a lot of this, I read this article, and a lot of it relates back to what we talked about last week, was, which was last week we were talking about do we pick with the Carly Fiorino article? Do we fight all these small battles or do we sort of like, grin and bear it and grit it out to wait for like real change to happen. And I realize that's a giant synopsis and we had a bigger conversation. But this is was a similar thing. Like there's all these people working for meaning meaningful change. But in the meantime, women are in the workforce. Biases still exist. 
people will expect you to act a certain way based on who you are, what you look like, what gender you occupy. And what do you do with that? And this article was saying, lean the fuck in. And it was like part of a book, which has a different name, but they said they were thinking as a working title was dealing with the crap while waiting for change, which is so on point. And you for and I, I talked think. about this probably a year ago because you probably. were struggling with, I don't know, I Things. <laughs> conference rooms and shit and whatever. And I was like, fuck it, like use everything you have to your advantage because you just have to use it wisely. Yeah. And that was the one of one of the things that that they were talking about this, in, in this particular article. The article was completely based on how you win a negotiation, mm-hmm. not like the art of not Donald Trump, the art of negotiation. The example that was used in the article was if you're trying to get one day of teleworking with a boss, how do you do that? And a lot of it was couching the argument in a way that you think that person wants to receive it, which was like, in in the case of the article, it was like, this person's job, you had to write a report that was super detailed. So if you wanted to work from home one day, say, since I have to write this report once a week, and it's super detail-oriented, I could use time away from the office to really concentrate. So can, on Fridays, can I work from home? Trying but to, like, that's put good the ball for everybody, But that's They're actually up. good yeah. for anybody, regardless of gender. That's just good advice, I think, But maybe general. something less likely to come out of the mouth of a man? Question mark? I don't really know. I don't know. I would think these, I mean, at this day and age, I think if people can work from home on a Friday, they <laughs> want to work from home on a Friday. The other thing it really pulled up is in, in this, in sort of couching it in this context of negotiations was that the skill, and it really is a skill of listening, honest to goodness listening. And Tracy's better at listening than Kelly is. I'd like to fill up space. But this idea that most people are in a conversation professionally where you know the you know the the ball's gonna come back on your side of the court. Like you know you're gonna have to answer back or you're gonna have to you're gonna have to offer some sort of consequential content. And you're thinking so hard about what you're gonna say that you fail to listen to the person you're speaking with. So the idea of women are considered just sort of generically to be better listeners. So really sink into that, which is when you're in these conversations, basically when it's your turn to talk, you're still just listening. You're just like, and you eventually talk. But the idea of you're really like creating this moment where you're considered to be like this crazy good listener, which people love to be heard sort of generically. People love to be heard. Oh, God, she's doing it. <laughs> See, I almost just filled up the space. I, it's so hard for me. It's very Oh, that was funny. I wasn't. I was highly gullible. I was actually just fucking with you. <laughs> with that but that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I I run into that, too, though, in certain, in certain professional settings. I mean, I think in here, I like to listen and be a little more thoughtful uh, in this particular room, but oftentimes in, in business meetings and professional settings, I am I'm quick to jump and talk. You probably noticed that at my Halloween party where I was quick to like jump in and like take over the conversation. Um, there is this thing. So we all do it. In modern professionalism, the way we occupy it, where like the world is filled with talking conference calls. You have like nine conference calls a day and you go to conferences and you do meetings. And the people often think if nobody hears you say anything, then you shouldn't be there. So like I'll get so done. I've never with heard a, that. Well, I'll get done with a conference call and have and have had a lot of thoughts that have been articulated by lots of members of the team and thought to myself, well, I mean, everybody said what I wanted to say, so we're good. Like, they, they've hired me for a reason. But then I'll get down the road and the client will be like, well, I mean, what do you think? You didn't say anything on that call. 
So there's a lot of, I agree, like on the call, blah, blah, blah. I say, blah, 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 blah. And Tracy goes, just like Kelly, I agree, blah, 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 blah. And then Mark says, I agree with Tracy and Kelly, blah, 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 blah. And everybody is heard because if you don't speak, all of a sudden you're not, why are you there? I think that's a sign that you shouldn't do conference calls. <laughs> I think that is exactly. Well, there's a lot of reasons that conference calls are not as necessary as we I would rather are, stab but... myself in the fucking eye than do a conference call and I've actually stabbed myself in the eye before so I know okay. exactly what that's like but do you swallow a toad every morning I don't <laughs> swallow a toad every morning I don't so the, the basically the, the moral of the story of the article is that the issues of the, and, and this is how it's written in the article the issues of bias and gender inequality that face many of this woman's clients aren't just theirs to fix we need systematic change so women can ask for what she needs or deserves without fear of repercussions, without trying to fit into this mold. But in the interim, awareness of the biases against women can help make it easier to get what we want. Yeah. Understanding it. So the big three things were listen, frame an argument, like that, like frame the, the, the request. To fit the, to fit the, to fit the boss. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And always ask questions, which I am not always so great hard. at. It's really yeah. hard. Because yeah. I'm like, what if they think I'm stupid? Because I ask a question. And then I realize like three weeks down the road, they're like, we don't understand any of this. I'm like, God damn it. If I just <laughs> asked the fucking question three weeks ago, we wouldn't be here. But it is how I think that is the cultural thing of women our age. It's like we we didn't have really the space to feel stupid. You know what I mean? Like nobody said it's OK if you seem dumb in this moment. Like that won't carry along with you. But I don't think anyone's ever called me stupid. No, I don't think well, you're I'm not ever, a stupid person. I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I was ask a, uh, where I ask a question and yeah. it ended poorly. Yeah. It's funny that we have that fear, though. Well, I think we do. It's, I think yeah. we do. Yeah. Stop fucking having fear. Just ask questions. I know. Lean in. Lean the fuck Lean in. Lean the fuck in. So at one week out from Election Day, there are, we, I mean, there is a lot of women who will either join the elected members of Congress rank or will not come next Tuesday. And we but we have been talking about this on this podcast since Trump was elected office. And it's it only makes sense to sort of round out this week one by sort of revisiting it. CNN put out an article this week, midterms, women candidates. And it's it was about how so many candidates who are women have been told over the course of these last two years to wait their some version of wait their turn to run. And it it speaks to this sort of systemic dysfunction of who gets to be an elected official in this country, according to some unknown factor. And basically what we're learning is women said, fuck you. Women were like, I'm going to fucking run. I don't like that guy. I don't like how this went. I don't like my community. My kids' schools are bad. We got potholes, whatever it was. But women were like, I can do this. And this article went and highlighted a whole bunch of women, Democrats and Republicans, admittedly more Democrats, just because that's where the numbers skew. But it started out with Christy Nome, who I know personally because I don't know her personally, but a couple cycles ago, we ran against her in a congressional race. We lost. She won because she's fierce. But legit, that woman on the trail had pe- had pe- more than one person say to her, I and she and she says, quote, I had a few people tell me that maybe I didn't have the right body part to be a governor. The state of South Dakota has never had a female governor. And that is sort of just the tip of the iceberg. The 235 women who won House nominations, according to Records University, was much higher than the 167 women in 16 in 2016. 
In the Senate, 22 women won primaries, beating 2012's record of 18 for governor. 16 women are at the top of the, of the state ticket, up from the previous record of 10 in 1994. So that shit's fucking real. Like, that, those are real numbers of women being like, I am doing this. So as much as people saying, I had a few people tell me that maybe I didn't have the right body part to be governor, for every person that says that... There's four other people that are like, bring on the women, <laughs> right? Like, I think so, so, well, I don't know about the exact, and not in South Dakota, I wouldn't say. I uh, mean, it's, I think I, probably nationwide. I think it's right. changing everywhere. I mean, I definitely think it's changing. And I think that, you know, you see it with Stacey Abrams. You're seeing it Fierce. all over. Yeah. Um, so, so the interesting thing about Christy Naum is she, she won and kept that congressional seat easily. But she's inside of the margin of error with a man, a white man, in a Democrat for this governor's seat, which we've talked in here the difference between a f- like a federal position and like an executive role, man and women. I think like the dynamics of gender are pretty different. But the same goes for Stacey Abrams, who is also inside of the margin of error in Georgia. And not only would she be the first ever African-American female governor in this country's history, but Georgia has only elected white men to the governor's mansion. So there's like this crazy, these crazy possibilities right now, which is like, how fucking cool is that? Even if even if she loses, like showing up that strong, like that shit's change. Yeah. Which I mean, is amazing. Yes. And Georgia's, well, I don't want to talk about what Georgia's doing, but it feels different. It feels different now. Women running for office feels different than it did two years ago. Totally. Four years ago, six years ago. It's different. So this this article goes on to just like explore Amy McGrath, who's running for Congress in Kentucky, who is a former military mother who in the primary was not endorsed by the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. You know, committees, national committees get themselves in trouble, both sides of the aisle. But the Democrats do it a lot. And she... She won. She raised shit tons of money and, you know, is now saying to crowds of people like the Democrat, the National Party doesn't want me, but here I am and I'm going to work my ass off for you because you know what I know. You know what I know how to do is work really fucking hard. And so there is some Donald Trump. God damn, it's amazing. I can say one positive thing about that motherfucker. But like the sort of work your ass off without any other criteria of intelligence or experience (laughs) has become like that quality has become more important than in previous cycles, it seems to me. Well, I think it's always important to work your ass off. I'm just saying a lot of politicians are real lazy. But I think that women have a huge opportunity here. And just like the article that we were talking about earlier, like using sexism to your advantage. I mean, do you remember the ad that came out? I don't I don't even remember what what the race was, but the woman was like, you should vote for me because I will never show you my penis. <laughs> like, do you remember that? <laughs> like that. I mean, it's true. One like, of us will we, sexually assault you. <laughs> the other one, no. Well, I mean, I she can I sexually assault, but yeah. she definitely can't pull out her penis. Yeah. Yeah. That we know of. Anyway. This article went in to talk about Katie Hill, who's running in California's 25th. Against, that's not the tattooed lady, is it? No, that's MJ Hager. That's fucking, Texas. She's kind of badass. But Katie Hill's bisexual. You know who else is bisexual? Kirsten Cinema, who's likely to be the next senator, United States senator from the state of Arizona. No, she's she's not going to win. She's outside of the margin of error. Uh, she's up by seven. Mm-hmm, okay. Yeah. No. Oh, she knows. Tracy knows the I secret Republican so. numbers. Yeah, it's real serious. I don't. I don't think that is a race that she's going to win. But what I'm anyway, saying is like yes. sexual yes. identity 
constrictions. I mean, it's two races out of 600 or whatever this cycle. More than that, 1,000. Well, everything's changed this cycle. So interesting. Also, sexual assault candidates. Debbie Lasko in Arizona 8 is a victim of domestic violence. Mary Barzi Flores in Florida 25, sexual assault. This woman, Lucy McBeth, running in Georgia 6, lost her son to gun violence. Like People are running for shit that is like super fucking personal shit. I like it. I know. I don't know I if do they're going to win, but I like it. I don't. I hope that all of them don't win because I thought it was I don't want I all thought, Democrats yeah, to right. win. But yeah. I, I, I love that women are are doing well. Bring it. Yeah, I like it. This goes back one time we talked about how some douchebag dude asked in an interview. I'm. I know you want women to run, but what happens when a woman when a woman runs against a woman? The answer was. A woman wins. <laughs> Who was that? Oh, I don't know. I, I can go back. We talked about it in a different episode. Yeah. But it is a funny thing, like, that we have to be man versus woman. But no, it's just more. More. Right. More. I and it's more. okay. And we yeah. should all get along. And men are great. You and I get along for and sure. women are great. Yeah. And we should all love each other. <laughs> God, we should love each other more than we have. Oh, my God. Our our dear president is about to start an eight-day 11 rally blitz before Election Day. And oh, I just well, I have some There aren't 11 fear. days. No, he's doing election. multiple in a day. Oh. Yeah. But I just, I just think that we all are in this. We want power. We want whatever voice. We want whatever it is. But may we all... Remember that even if you interact with somebody who's not your doesn't share your partisanship, we're people, and let's just try to be kind to each other. And Annie Leibowitz photographed Stormy Daniels for the cover of Vogue. Oh, I did. I <laughs> did saw you that. see that? Yeah. Stormy. We'll get back to Stormy after election day because Mitch is making more moves. All right, wrap us up. Thanks so much for listening, guys, girls. People. Fuck. People. <laughs> Friends. Jesus. Lovers. Dreamers. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Damon All to Hell on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week, friends. Bye.